Hello, and welcome to Functional Spirituality. I am your host, Ava, and today I want to speak about our three-part method. So Functional Spirituality has a variety of different offerings. We have our silent meditation retreats. I also run a few different facilitator trainings for yoga, meditation, and for holding space, and also different communication platforms where I share some of my thought leadership, trying to inspire more intentional living and contemplation of different philosophies or different frameworks in which we experience our lives. But it all boils down to our three-part method. That's what underpins all of our offerings and the values that myself and the other teachers are holding when we, when we hold our spaces. So a lot of you know about the three-part method because it's the foundation of everything we teach. So it comes up in the retreats and trainings and even sometimes classes. And that's what really makes this offering unique and provides such a transformative framework for mine and so many others' spiritual practices. And I want to start with a little bit of my story, a little bit of the origin story behind this three-part method and behind functional spirituality on this beautiful rainy afternoon here in Western Australia. And I always think that you can hear the cars driving by and making noise in the rain, but then Anaid tells me that actually she can't hear any background noise, but it is a beautiful rainy day. A lot of you know about the origin story. You've heard about my journey and about my history. So hopefully there's something new in here for you. And I guess it, I mean, we can start at any point, but I'll start back when I first started practicing spirituality. And I I guess, I guess you could call it that. I started practicing yoga. I had moved to Sydney when I was 19 to go to uni there. And my housemate took me to a Bikram yoga class, and I became really obsessed with it. The way that they spoke about the practice, the promises, the all the speak about purifying the body in these incredible ways. And so much of the practice was just talking about the benefits and how amazing the practice was. And I had that kind of slim body, flexible. I saw progress in that kind of practice really quickly. And I really loved it. And I became really addicted to it, as many people do become addicted to a yoga practice or especially hot yoga where you can really feel such profound effects of exhaustion and then relaxation at the end and that transformation, the sweating and all of that. So I became really dedicated to the practice. And prior to that, I was living quite a normal life. You know, I I went to Sydney in pursuit of all of the normal Western culture values and standards of trying to make money and trying to make something of myself. And deep down, you know, looking back, trying to connect, trying to find happiness, trying to heal myself. But without any guidance, I was just doing a lot of drugs and partying a lot and doing as little as possible at uni, trying to make friends, trying to connect with people. And along my way, I found myself in this yoga practice and became really, really dedicated to it while still doing all of the naughty things on the side. And yeah, became part of the furniture at that yoga studio. And at some point realizing that I was actually really unhappy and wanted to pursue more yoga, still 
not really having any guidance about what it was I really wanted. That's not a part of our spiritual systems, really, is looking at the individual, unique experience and facilitating the individual to tune inward and to ask themselves, what do I want? What am I searching for? What do I desire? And maybe it's all ultimately the same thing. We're all the same biological creatures and what we're really seeking is connection, love, relaxation, freedom, fulfillment. But to actually feel that inside is so empowering. It's a form of consent to really feel what do I want from my practice? What am I searching for? And to feel, to feel that and then to move forward so we can find alignment in the direction of what we're looking for. So no one ever asked me that, and I just started seeking, started seeking hardcore. I left and I ended up in a yoga school in Thailand. Some of you might know about this yoga center in Copenhagen called Agama. Such an interesting place looking back. So I found myself at this yoga school, and it was just starting to get big when I rocked up there in 2011. And I just thought, wow, this place is incredible. We used to call it Paradise Island, just this beautiful, beautiful island in Thailand and a yoga school where everyone came there just to, and was thriving with this sense of belonging. And the school was very unique. So there was, it was basically a school teaching many different kinds of Indian spirituality. And there was a lot of, <laughs> over the past 2,000 years or and more, 3,000 years in India, there have been a lot of different iterations, a lot of different branches and systems of spirituality. And a lot of them actually contradict each other in their intentions and practice, but that's not so well considered in our modern times. So, and wasn't considered in this school. So it was a lot of different forms of spirituality, Indian spirituality, combined into a very intensive curriculum. And I thought, wow, this curriculum has the answers to everything. And of course, the curriculum promised that it had the answers to absolutely everything. And everything on every single level was answered by this curriculum. So I dove into the system. I couldn't believe how comprehensive it was. And at this stage, I'm 22. So very young, I think I'm 22. I don't think I was 21. I think I was 22. And kind of dove into this system. And, you know, I was supposed to be there for two months. I ended up being there for like nine months, doing a teacher training, went to India and was teaching at their branch there and just fully dove into it. Came back to Australia every now and again, visa run, see the family and would teach a little bit of yoga, make a little bit of money, go back out. Because the teaching that I was doing at the school was all like volunteer work in exchange for just more classes and education and retreats with them. And ultimately, the school had a lot of dysfunctional qualities. And in 2018, actually, there was a huge scandal with Agama because of all because of a lot of sexual transgressions on behalf of the main Swami and the lead teachers and the whole school had a lot of weird things going on. And it kind of got weirder and weirder and more obvious and more obvious, but also bigger and bigger as the time went on. And I was there for a few years. I was there participating from 2011 to 2016 or 2015 and being one of their teachers there and doing a lot of practice. So, you know, living in my bungalow and practicing 
eight hours or more a day. And that wasn't unheard of. There was a lot of really strong practitioners at the school. And I also was a part in that first year, in the first few months, the last Hurdaya retreat ever happened at Agama. So there was also a sister school running and operating out of the same kind of venue over there. And they ended up breaking off and starting up some headquarters in Mexico. So I attended the last silent retreat before Hurdaya moved to its own headquarters. And that Hurdaya school was also very similar in this being a school of Indian spirituality. But both of them, not only were they teaching this huge, huge curriculum of Indian spirituality. They were also teaching the New Age spirituality. So the works of Jung, um, the Theosophical Society, and all the New Age ideas about chakras and energy bodies and the way the eight limbs have all been kind of woven into this New Age system that we have of yoga and spirituality that's kind of underpins the whole spiritual industry that we have now. It's all It all recognizes at the heart this kind of energy frequencies and the chakras and those kinds of things. So they, they were both teaching that. And the Hurdaya school had a very unique offering, something that's still so close to my heart, being uh, fundamentally a, a non-dual school, an awakening school. So all about connecting to the heart of being and connecting to that void, the stillness, the transcendent nature of reality. So I really loved that. And I kind of bounced between the two schools, Hurdaya in Mexico and Agama in Thailand, deepening my connection to the communities and deepening my practice in both of them. As well as starting to teach there and starting my teaching career, I quickly became known as a, um, one of the yeah stronger and more enjoyed, I guess, teachers. I guess kind of bringing both of their styles, so that really strong emphasis on determination and discipline and practice from Agama and that stillness and being and presence and embodiment from Hurdaya getting to bring each other's qualities to each of the centers, I, I had a little bit of an edge and started yeah, my teaching career there and would teach also in Singapore every time I came home and also in Australia. I opened up a center here in Australia in 2016 and started a, a yoga studio, started running my retreats and courses over here. And now we get into what really is the origin story of functional spirituality, which is that in 2019, I had this mental health crisis, had a huge kind of breakdown and burnout. And, and yeah, just I got really burnt out. I started to experience what I later realized was symptoms of PTSD and overwhelm and flashbacks and some traumatic experiences I'd had in 2018 had caught up with me, but so had just this CPTSD, this complex stress of running a business and a community and doing my spiritual practice and ultimately not having healed anything. So I started this journey of digging into the dysregulation, we could say, or the disorganization, the pain, the imbalance, the lack of functionality that I was experiencing. It was very hard to operate. I was feeling really overwhelmed. I, I had just kind of cracked. I was like, what is all of this? I have been practicing spirituality for almost a decade and I haven't been practicing it lukewarm. I've been practicing it full on. I've been doing all of the, I've been climbing the ladder of spiritual teachings and getting into the more and more esoteric and 
the harder pranayamas and the more kundalini and all of these things. And I've also explored like alternative things and plant medicines and stuff like that. Like what is going on? By no means had I not put in effort. I had put in so much effort and now I'm I'm at rock bottom. I was at the worst I had ever felt emotionally. I was at one of the sickest physically and mentally. I could barely operate. And I was like, where did this come from? What is going on? And I started to do research and I started to realize what was happening, especially as I was having flashbacks and feeling so overwhelmed. And I started to realize that this whole time I hadn't practiced healing I hadn't worked on the condition of my nervous system. And so it took me, it took me a good three years to really dig myself out of that hole. It took a long time, but very quickly I could start to feel a momentum of healing, even though I hadn't pulled myself out. And even though I felt like absolute crap, there was something inside of me that was hope hopefulness inside, a positivity, because I knew I could feel and logically, rationally, it all made sense that I was getting better and I was going to be better. I was definitely going to heal myself and I was going to come out even better and stronger. And I guess that also was inspiring for me because of the nature of my work. So what it boiled down to was that my spiritual practices, the spiritual systems, especially the ancient ones, have a tendency to promise healing through spiritual practice. And actually, there are there are different practices and different intentions and different results that we can get in our spiritual practice. And functional spirituality considers that when we are coming to spirituality, we want to practice spirituality, say. When we come to spirituality, we are interested in attaining one of three results. And maybe we want to attain all three results. Usually we want all three, but there's three different intentions that we might have. The first intention that we might have is for healing. The second intention we might have is cultivating. And the third intention we might have is awakening. So the first intention, the reason people turn to word spiritual practice is because they want to feel better. They don't want to feel bad anymore. They want to not suffer anymore. And suffering is not the same as pain in this context. In this context, when I say suffering, it means the second order of pain we experience not due to the flow of life, but due to the way we respond to the flow of life because of conditions inside of us that are from the past, unresolved material inside of us from the past, unhelpful frameworks inside of us because of the past. So most of us come to spirituality because we want to feel better without knowing it. Most of us are promised that if we get really good at holding our breath, or if we get really good at connecting to stillness and the void and the peaceful nature of the universe, that then we will feel better. But actually, that's not how it works. The only way to heal is to actually address the nervous system on a biological level because suffering is actually a biological response and because healing is actually a biological response. When we're talking about healing and we're talking about resolving the conditions inside of us that lead us to experience suffering, it is a biological experience. Now I'm just going to be You know, I like to keep these podcasts kind of bite-sized. So I'm just going to be glossing over this three-part method right now. You know, it's fully 
elaborated and expanded in in our offerings. But just to give you this taste of what this three-part method is, is that the first part is that spirituality can offer us healing, but only if that's our intention and the approach we take is for addressing this biological condition of the nervous system repairing, regenerating, reorganizing itself. The second part of our spiritual practice, the second intention we might have when we come to spiritual practice is really just that personal development, cultivating a non-specific cultivating that we come to a specific spiritual practice because we want to get better at something. We we're inspired. We have some kind of desire and passion and purpose in a certain direction. We want to, for for a particular reason, we're inspired in a certain creativity or physicality or, you know, maybe a relational aspect or we want to experience more beautiful emotions or energies, not because we're trying to get rid of pain, but because we feel like we want to expand or cultivate something in our experience. So a lot of us come to spirituality because we want to get better at something or we want to fill up our lives with more intelligence. Maybe we want to get better at focus. Maybe we want to get stronger physically. There's so many reasons that we come to the spiritual practice where we are actually trying to cultivate something in our experience, in our lives, cultivate a specific quality. And the third reason we come to spiritual practice is for awakening. Because there is a part of our experience that is not physical, not energetic, not mental or emotional. There's a part of our experience that's not personal. There's a part of our experience that's formless. There's a part of our experience that is not any of the things that exist, but a part of our experience, of our reality, of this moment, that is actually the background of existence. What Eckhart Tolle calls the now, what we might call being, There is a way of accessing, recognizing, connecting to this background of the now, of the present moment, and connecting to it in a mystical way. So not just in a, not just only from our mind, from a rational or philosophical point of view, because there are philosophies, simple philosophical explanations for how there could be a background of existence. So we're not just connecting it from our mind, but in a mystical way. So with our own being, with the wholeness of our experience, we can connect to that being. And ultimately the awakening part of our spiritual practice is not just connecting to stillness and connecting to being or the heart space or that background. It's not just about connecting to it, but it's also about, so you connect to it and then you inquire into it in a special way. So you question it And and the special way is by questioning into it, is this what I am? So not, it's already a huge step to recognize, ah, there's a background of the now. There's a background of existence that lends itself to everything that exists. But existence doesn't need stuff to exist. Existence can exist without form. And we can know that. But it's not just about knowing that, it's also about inquiring it into a certain way to say, is that what I really am? Because that's the awakening piece, because the way we normally live our lives is through an assumption that what I essentially am is a person. What I essentially am is an individual self. And through 
awakening tools and practices which are more meditative and usually more meditative and self-reflective and we go inward and we see actually everything that I'm calling a person is just a fluctuation of experience. It's a fluctuation of mind or body and all of that's changing and all of that arises in something and is known by something. What is that? What's me that knows my thoughts, that knows my body? What am I essentially? Yes, I'm my body. Yes, I'm my mind. I'm my mind. But what am I essentially? And we wake up to the realization that what I essentially am is all that is experiencing itself as this individual self. So the three-part method of functional spirituality is saying that spiritual practice becomes much more functional when we apply tools that align with and facilitate the intention we want to get because there are so many awakening tools. Awakening tools are about quietening down or negating the personal and form experience in order to experience what we really are, what we essentially are. And that's that's more negation tools. There's also affirmation tools where we affirm that everything our experience is an expression of that background. So awakening tools are are about highlighting what's not the person. Healing tools are about tuning in to the person, turning our attention into the layers in a very special way, in a loving, present, caring way to those parts from the past, really listening, moving with those parts, either mentally or physically or with our emotions or our breath, with our energy, moving with those parts of us that don't feel right, reframing them in the mind, moving them through the body, being with them in our emotions. So it's about it's about the person. It's about turning our attention to the person. Awakening tools are about bypassing the person. So the tools are going to produce different effects. Having an awakening practice is going to facilitate your healing tools to work better, but not directly offer you healing effects. I've got firsthand experience and I've seen it in practice with thousands of students that I've worked with. I can see what is happening and see the effects of what awakening tools do to people. I can see the effects of what healing tools do to people. Having a healing practice will facilitate your cultivation and awakening efforts. But it won't healing tools, doing your shadow work, doing your emotional work, doing your mental work will not directly offer you an awakening experience. Awakening tools offer awakening experience. Awakening tools will not directly offer you a healing experience, no matter how much they promise you that and how much it's written into the tradition. They don't have that effect. They're not about the biological process of healing the nervous system. That's not what awakening tools are about. So the functionality of our practice comes when the approach we're taking aligns with the intentions that we have. And the reason that our spiritual systems and communities are so dysfunctional starts with the fact that no one even knows what the intention is because the intention is always changing. The intention isn't just when you sign up to the course or the school or take a flight over to some center. 
The intention is a living experience. In this moment, what do I want? And now what do I want? And when I sit down for meditation tomorrow morning, first I check in, what do I, what's going on for me? What do I want? And something inside, especially with the practice of the tools already, something inside says, I want to be with stillness. Or something inside, inside says, I need to be with this emotion, or I need to reframe this thought, or I need to investigate a little bit deeper. So we live in a spiritual environment where it's all about the tools. It's not about the person. It's not about the individual experience. It's about the tools. It's about the teacher. It's about this method and this system. But actually, what if that doesn't give me what I want? And how will I know what I really want today? without checking in with what I desire, what my intention is. So there's this real external focus on just hoping that if I practice this pranayama every single day, I'm just going to get this magical result at the end. I want to swear right now. I can feel myself on the edge of it. Like, that's not how it works. I did that for so long. I practiced a schedule of hours of these different techniques and tools and meditations and practices, all kinds, new age and ancient, without ever saying, well, what do I actually want to receive from my practice? Also not having a clear idea of knowing that there are these different results from the practice. So the three-part method really makes it clear that there are different effects that different tools can give us. It's really important to know that breath work isn't the cure-all for everything, that meditation isn't the cure-all for everything. It's just that same old paradigm of healing, I call it. We'll link the episode about the new paradigm of healing. But this old paradigm is just applying modalities to symptoms without really looking at what do I, what do I really want and letting it be led from the inside, letting it be led from the system, letting it be led from our desires, really tuning into what, what is that desire that I have. So this is such a huge topic. Like I said, it's just the, it's the foundation of everything that we teach that if we tune into what we really need, then we can appropriately select a tool that is most likely going to be efficient or going to help to produce the effect that we're, or the result that we're trying to get. And that's so important nowadays where we, where we really, we want to do the work fast there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of healing to do. There's a lot of awakening to do. There's a lot of cultivating to do. We can't afford to be doing something that's ineffective. We can't afford to be doing things that are dysfunctional, probably because we've been doing ineffective and dysfunctional spirituality for so long. It hasn't really worked. The point of spirituality for so long has been to relieve suffering, to bring more healing, connection, and organization inside of our society that is so survival-focused, but hasn't done that. So we want to be more effective with our tools. We want to be more discerning. There's this tendency to just poo-poo the rational, the mind, the discernment, because no, 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 we need to be more faithful. We need to just trust Actually, we need to question, Not we don't need to be disrespectful, but we need to be discerning. And it's very old school to just follow blindly. It hasn't led us to anything on, a, on our global community. It hasn't really served us all of that blind faith and, and following blindly our leaders. 
So that will help to explain that when you go to our free resources page on the website, our free resources are divided into the categories, deconditioning, cultivating, and awakening, so that you can follow along trainings that at least, I mean, you're going to feel inspired to all of them on different times and different ways. And most people come to spiritual practice for all three, but at least you know that category of what kind of effects you can expect. What is the category of practices and intentions when you're looking at the trainings for, from those three categories? So I will leave that one there and hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, if you've got questions, more than happy to answer them and to have this discussion be a little bit more two-way. And uh, yeah, any feedback and comments are more than welcome. Definitely check out some of the other trainings that are elaborating on this because I kind of feel like I just scratched the surface. Maybe wish I had planned a little bit more to make sure I was <laughs> covering what I wanted for each of the three. But if I have to plan, sometimes I don't record the podcast. So this is the way to get it out to you quicker. Hope you have a beautiful day and look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.